I think you should build a career in data science. Welcome to Build a Career in Data Science. I'm your host, Emily Robinson. And I'm your host, Jacqueline Nolis. This podcast is a data download into all the non-technical knowledge and skills you need to succeed in a data science career. From getting into the field to becoming a seasoned expert, we're covering it here. In season one of the podcast, we'll be discussing a different chapter of our book, also called Build a Career in Data Science, each week. You can buy the book at bestbook.cool and get 40% off with the code BUILDBOOK40%. But if you don't have it yet, you won't get any less enjoyment out of the podcast. But do buy the book. This week, we're diving into chapter five of our book, which is about the data science job search. Uh, this kicks off the second section of our book, which is all about finding your data science job. So in the first four episodes, if you missed them, we talked about what data science is, uh, getting the skills, what data science looks like at different companies and building a portfolio. But now, you know, assuming you, you've decided you want to go for it, you've got the skills, let's figure out how to get you a data science job. I think this is a really important point that a lot of people get. Uh, you know, they, they, this is like, I think a really can be a, big, a really big struggle, right? You've got the skills. You feel like you know what you need to know. Maybe you've done some projects. And now you got to go out into the world and you got to, I'm going to use some sort of incorrect metaphor here. You got you to gotta go fishing and find that fish. You got to go hunting and hunt that job. Like, <laughs> it's like you're really kind of going and starting to put yourself out there and like, okay, how do I get this job I want? How do I find a job that's good? How do I find something that I'll be the right fit for? And you're doing this all with the limited information of often, you know, you've never done it before as a data scientist, or even if you've have done it as a data scientist, this can still be incredibly intimidating. Yeah. And there are some points that if, uh, so some listeners, you might be uh, just graduating school. And so you've never looked for a job besides an internship, like a full-time job. Um, but probably a lot of our listeners have, have done job search before. And there certainly are some principles that still apply, right? In terms of you find listings on maybe LinkedIn, Glassdoor, uh, or a company's career website. But there's also a lot of stuff that's data science specific that we want to talk about here, because this can also be a point where people kind of fall off on their journey uh, because, you know, they, they get a little bit overwhelmed or maybe they send out a lot of applications, they don't hear anything back and they think, you know, maybe this isn't for me after all. Yeah, and I think more than everything we've talked about so far in this podcast, I think that this is maybe the most place where there's secret code words that mean secret things. And if you don't know what the code words mean, you're going to miss out on stuff. Like there's a there's a hidden data science language that um, that's super easy to go to code if you know how to do it and you know the signals. But if you haven't had a podcast like this or some source of information on how to hunt for a data science job, you're going to be at a, a real disadvantage. Yeah, let's start talking about it. Uh, yeah. So I think the first thing, which I say kind of over and over again, in, in talks and we say in the book is actually when searching for a data science job, don't just search for jobs with the title data scientist or say like senior data scientist, because there are so many more uh, jobs that have that where you'll be doing data science uh, that don't have that title. And that can be machine learning engineer, research scientist, product analyst, data analyst. Like it, it's really just sort of the all, all over. And if you narrow it just to the data scientist title, uh, you can miss out on some jobs that would be really great fits for you. And also those can be sometimes more competitive because other people are very obsessed with that data scientist title. Yeah. And I think there's like, there's like two reasons why this happens. I think one reason is that 
the kind of data science-y work of like, hey, I'm going to take data, do some interesting stuff with it, and tell you some insight that you're going to use to do something better. Or, you know, machine learning, building something with data science or analytics reporting. Any of that kind of work, there are a lot of job titles that that falls into. Like a quantitative user experience researcher is a person who does data science, but like to understand how a user uses the product. Um, but like that's still data science. It's just within another job posting. So that's reason one. Reason two is that people who are hiring do not always understand these titles. And so it's not that the work is correctly or incorrectly data science. It's like, it is data science work, but the people who are asking for work, that work to be done don't know that that's called data science work. And so they, they name it something like that. Or to your point, because these jobs are competitive, maybe people are going to call it data science, even when it isn't really data scientists. It's data science work because they want one of those like, you know, cool data scientists on their team, even if what they're doing would not generally be considered data science. Yeah, and, and companies change these titles internally as well. So when I was at Etsy, I started as a data analyst. Shortly after I left the team, like all the teams, the titles shifted to data scientists. Lyft wrote a blog post about their data analysts becoming data scientists, data scientists becoming research scientists. Uh, so I, I really just want to emphasize, you know, looking more at the descriptions and not putting too much weight on the title. All right, so pop quiz, Emily. Um, pop quiz. Uh, I'm just curious. What are some titles you personally would apply for. So like, let's just like, what are some titles you would be like, you know what, I would take that title. I, w I would submit my job knowing nothing else to a title. <laughs> like, would you apply to a data analyst, user experience researcher? Like what are the kind of things you think you would apply to? So I, I will push back on the premise, which is I would not apply to a job just based on the title and not looking at the description because of sure. what we just talked about, uh, yeah. that those can be so disparate. But what would you search uh, for on LinkedIn? Yeah. How about yeah, yeah. that? What so would what you would search I search for? for? Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I would usually search for uh, data, analytics, um, quantitative, so like the quantitative use researcher thing. I sounds really interesting. For me, I'd be much, in terms of what I'd search for in a job description, I'd really search for uh, using R, um, SQL, there being something about like working, I really enjoy working with product teams. So something about like working closely with like business stakeholders. Okay, but we're teams. just on the title. We're gonna get to that stuff. No, like, I wanna just get on to the it title. Just the, like, what would you, what would you? Okay, well, I'll tell you mine, because mine's different, and I think this is interesting. Um, so I would search for data scientist, like a data science job at whatever level. I search for, and I recently did have to do this because it was on the job market. I would search for machine learning engineer. I would take those roles. And I would search for, it's like anything with AI in the title. Not that I think AI is like a, is a term that really means something different than data science. But because I think when people ask for AI, they really mean machine learning or machine learning engineer or data scientist, but they want to sound fancy when they ask for it. Um, so those are the three. This is different because I don't think I'd be qualified right now for a machine learning engineer position uh, mm. because I just haven't. I uh, who was I talking to? I was talking to someone about uh, so Robert Chang, who we interviewed in chapter one. He actually switched internally at Airbnb from their like analytics data science to the machine learning data science. And it did take him, I think, around a, a year or so, like starting with working with some projects on the team. He has a repo where he talked about how he switched to Python because that's what the team used, like deliberate practice to do that. Uh, you know, more kind of computer science knowledge because he came more from this analytics stats background. Uh, uh, so I would say like even someone who, and he was like very well qualified, doing very well in his role before, but because he wanted to shift to a different area, it does take some time. And, and you've done this, Jacqueline, you've talked a little bit on this podcast. I don't think at this point I would apply for a 
user experience researcher or like a data analyst position. Not that I don't think that work is interesting and important, but just, you know, I've done so much of my career of I'm going to make a PowerPoint to try and convince a person that uh, idea is sound or not using data. And I've just I've I've just kind of moved towards that. I'm going to build software that does data science, um, which I enjoy. Um, I enjoy both of those. I just like, well, I've kind of at a point in my life where I want to, you know, keep mixing it up a little bit. So I'm not doing the same thing the whole time. So so yeah, so I guess the point is, is that like, indeed, there are many titles that you may want to search for when you look down LinkedIn, but it's still affected by what are the sort of positions you want, right? Because you and I are going to look for different stuff if we were back in this game. Yeah. And that's why um, if you haven't listened to episode one, we talk about the sort of three main areas of data science, which are the analytics, machine learning, and then decision science, or like inference and statistics. And it's worth thinking about uh, which type of data science you're attracted to. Some companies like Airbnb specifically delineate like which, you know, it's like data scientists, comma, analytics, data scientists, comma, algorithms. Uh, but even if a company doesn't have that in the title, you can usually tell by looking at the job description, you know, are they, is it about more about like, you know, making dashboards, making PowerPoints, like working with business stakeholders, or is it making a machine learning algorithm for our website? Or is it, you know, to be the lead on our experimentation system and coming up with new experimentation methods for a two-sided marketplace? Okay. So now, now you were starting to go down a train of thought and I like cut you off earlier, but now let's go like, okay, so you've done some searches, you found some you, you you searched on LinkedIn for data scientist, whatever the terms are. You're starting to see some results pop up. You open them up. What do you do next? I think usually what you see, right, most job descriptions are structured like a little bit about this job, uh, the requirements, and what you'll be doing. So I think the first thing, you know, I usually go towards is the, I usually narrow in right away on like the skills or the requirements section It's or the about you, whatever they call it, because that gives me a good idea of, okay, am I like in the in the range of what they're looking for uh, for this position or is it like totally off base, right? So if they're like, we need someone who knows Java, I'm like, nope, that's not me. Or like, we need someone with four plus years, you know, of, you know, doing machine learning in production, like also not me. Uh, versus like, we need, you know, A-B testing. We need people like working with like closely, who experience working with like uh, product, product teams or something like that. Uh, then I'm like, okay, I, I, I am in the realm of what they're looking for. Let me learn more about this job. So this is super interesting. I think what you are saying is a very valid strategy. I think I do like an opposite strategy, <laughs> right? Because I think you're right. I think that the, I think there's a lot of validity into being like, look, at the end of the day, the rubber re meets the road on what skills you actually want, right? You can have whatever fluff in the paragraphs about big data machines, whatever. But if you're like, no, but what we really need is someone who knows Java, then... You're right. Like that's a really good filter. For me, I still start with the words because I don't. I I, I have seen enough times where people put Java, but they're like, oh, but we, you know, and when you go in for an interview, you're like, ah, oh, we didn't really need Java, right? So I think I tend to look at the words they use first, where they're like, we really need a person to help us take our machine learning models and make them so they continuously run in production or something. You know, like take mm -hmm. make machine learning models that are ready to run in production, something like that. So I tend to look at those words more, but I think to your point, those words can totally be fluff and the the um the skills are really where it's at. And so I think there's really a um I don't think there's necessarily a right answer. I think to the point of like hey, you got to figure out for like what works best for you for fi figuring out where the filters are because like it's just different styles, you know, and I think I I think it's just coming up with an approach. Yeah, but let's talk about like okay, so so what do you but you do eventually read that skills section. So like 
Jacqueline, how do you, do you, do you just, you said, you already said you don't really take it at face value. So like, what else do you, like, if you, if, if you see a skill section, that's like, you know, we need experience working with Google cloud and let's say you have experience with AWS. Yeah. Like, so that's think? great. Yeah. So a lot of things like that, I will be like, I'm going to use um, like something like, you know, I know AWS, so it would not take more than a month or two to use Google cloud. And I think hopefully they know when they're hiring people not to hire someone who could not, who would be ready in two months to do the job, right? There's an up onboarding period of any job. And so something like that, like, you know, I've never used Google Cloud, but I've used AWS. For me, that's not necessarily a deal breaker. And sometimes, right, like you'll see a job posting and it's like perfect data science job, R, Python, blah, blah, blah. And they'll also be like, and also five years of Java. And like, to me, it's like, this doesn't feel like they know what they want to the point that a lot of times it's like a hiring manager or someone who's not a data scientist will be heavily involved in the posting. And like, for me, I'm like, well, I don't really, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try it anyway. And if they, if they, if they're like, no, we really did care about five years of Java, then they'll just throw out my resume, you know? But I think you're right. If it's like, we need Java and Oracle and two years of database experience, right? Like if, if there's a lot of singles there, then I'm like, yeah, you don't. You're not the right one for me. Yeah, I, I like though. I think we have a little bit of different reactions. You're sort of like, okay, if I if I see something, I'm like, that doesn't really fit with a job description. You know, you were saying you might just sort of try for it anyway. I don't know. I view that as a bit of a red flag um, because if it seems, for example, that they're a larger company, uh, but they're looking for someone like with the production machine learning experience and to run their experimentation system and to like do all their dashboarding, I'm like, hmm, this seems like, yeah, like you said, they don't know what they want. And that's... I think it may be okay if you're a more seasoned data scientist and you can come in with a very strong opinions and really push back against that and like they will trust your expertise. But I think if you're more junior that this can end up in a really bad situation where you're just sort of overloaded with with requirements and and then you feel imposter syndrome because you're like, oh my God, is it just because like I'm not experienced enough when it's like, no, 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 this is not, you are not set up at all for us to be, to be successful in this role. I think you're right. I think if, if if the job posting doesn't align, then that might be for me. I'm like, well, I'll try and like feel out. Maybe it's a startup. They don't really know what they want yet or something like that. Maybe it's a hiring manager. But to your point, especially for someone who's more junior, if it doesn't make sense, it's very easy as a junior person when you look at these job postings to be like, I'm the problem. I don't have the skills. I didn't learn the right things. When in fact, oftentimes it's not the person applying. It's the people making the job posting don't know what's going on. And so I think I think you are right, especially for people listening who are more junior that like, oh, my God, believe in yourself. If a job posting doesn't make sense, like don't give them the benefit of the doubt, because if you do get that job and then suddenly it's all chaos and they don't know what's going on, like that's <laughs> catastrophic. Um, so, yeah, you've convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And one thing I want to talk about, like, oh, the, the, when reading the skills section is like this huge it's sort of like a, I guess I can call it a problem of just terminology being different um, for the for the same method. So for example, uh, I tweeted recently, so Max Kuhn gave a great talk about multi-level models. And he showed this like Wikipedia entry where it says multi-level models, also known as hierarchical linear models, linear mixed effects models, mixed models, nested data models, random coefficient, random effects models, random parameter models, or split plot designs, <laughs> right? So these are all terms that mean the same thing. So imagine you're, you, you know, you come up through like econometrics and, and, and the term is random effects models. And then you see uh, on a job description, like we want experience with hierarchical linear models. You may not realize that you have that skill because you're like, oh, I don't, I never learned something by that name. So if you, if you don't recognize a, a method that they list, I definitely recommend Googling it and seeing if it's something that you actually do know just under a different name. 
Yeah, and again, I think this is really, especially, so with the technical, like, technologies, like, have you used AWS? Have you used SQL? I do think there is a certain amount of, if you don't have that in advance, and it's a skill that takes years to really get good at, then, like, that may be a sign it's not a great fit for a job. But if it's something like, you know, you've used K-means clustering, it's like, you can learn that. Lots of people learn that on jobs. And so a lot of times these job posting, when they list, like, data science techniques, K-means clustering, linear logistic regression, generalized regression, Usually that's like a kind of more of a test of like, is your statistical and data science technique knowledge at the level that these terms make sense to you more than you have to have done all of these before because they expect you to learn it. And like oftentimes they're hiring a person because they're like, well, we've been doing K-means clustering for the last five years, but we would like a better method now, right? And so like, you're not locked in. Um, so I do think I do think more on the listing the techniques one, I would be, I'm, I'm more rigid to the, I need that I have that, I need to have the skill to apply for it on the technology than on the statistical method, right? If I understand that basic idea, the statistical method, and I'm like, okay, I vaguely understand that. I think if I read up on it for a couple of weeks, I could get pretty okay at it. Then I'm like, that's fine. I'm still going to apply. Yeah. And I think we, we've sort of like hinted at this, but this all gets towards like job descriptions are often wishless. And if you meet like 60 or 70% of the requirements you should apply, right? So for example, you know, I wouldn't, if, if, if you're the, you're a new grad, like right out of college and a job description's like, you know, we want like four years of professional experience and like doing this, like production machine learning, whatever, like, okay, that's not 60%. But if you are someone who has three years or you have experience in, uh, you know, like, like, uh, one of, one of the, you know, one of the two technologies that they, they list, or you don't have the optional thing, uh, to really, to really still apply and put yourself out there because, you know, and that's where I think reading the, what you called the fluff at the beginning is also helpful because you can see, okay, what they're, you know, they may have listed these requirements, but in their description of what you'd be doing on the job, do I feel pretty confident I can do that? Uh, and that's also a good indicator that you should apply for the job. Yeah, and there's so much with technology. You haven't used AWS, but you have used Google Cloud. You haven't used Power BI, but you have used Tableau of like, okay, you don't technically meet the requirements, but you have the basic ability to learn those skills because you've used substitution. Uh, should we talk about some of the common questions we get from people when they go through this process? Yeah, you know, let's do it. Uh, so first I want to start by reading a, this is from an, a data science blog post because I looked up ridiculous data science job descriptions. So they said they found this, uh, job description that had experience with big data technologies, including, but not limited to scoop. I, I feel like that's made up hive yarn spark, so on and so forth. Knowledge in Janus graph, Apache Ranger, Apache Atlas, knowledge of scripting and programming language, e.g. Perl, Python, Java, knowledge of reporting tools, e.g. Tableau, Power BI, knowledge of data science tools, knowledge of regression modeling techniques, knowledge of AI and machine learning techniques, knowledge of Linux, experience with agile methodologies, right? <laughs> this is like, and it's all like, there's no, there's maybe someone out there that knows all of this, but like, come on, this is just like a ridiculous list of these tools. And also it feels likely that someone who uses some of these reporting tools may not be familiar with big data technologies, right? Like those are often, you know, different types of roles. And so that's what I mean by this unicorn of someone who like knows all of this stuff. It's like, I don't know. It's just like, it, it, it certainly, I feel like in one job, you would not use all these things. And so that's why it's like funny to see it on a requirements list. Yeah, well, and in my head, I've, as you're talking about, I was trying to think of like a metaphor. It's like, there are a couple of things here. Like, you have to really be good at reporting and like, how do you output in ways that people understand? You have to be really good at storing data and thinking about how to structure data in useful ways. And you need to be really um, good at thinking about AI and modeling in this job posting. But if you think about those are three like totally different things. That'd be like, I want to hire 
from I'm having a wedding and I want to hire one person who's the DJ and the chef and the like and like and that sets all the tables right like I need one person to do all that and it's like could you find someone who does all that perhaps with enough time and money but like you're shooting yourself in the foot instead of hiring three people um and this I think is extremely good issue uh, or instance of the point you were making before around hey if they don't know what they're looking for that's a huge red flag yeah and what about so Jacqueline uh I don't know if you hear this I hear this a lot of time of like the and and I see this too of the problem of like it seems like most or like quote unquote all data science description asks for like at least two or three years of experience as a data scientist so it's just like trap of like how do I wait they all require this experience so so who's gonna like how can I ever get my, my first job in data science if they're all requiring multiple years as a data scientist? It really depends on the company, but there's kind of like a, um, there's like, they, they intentionally put a little bit of a hurdle there for you to try and jump over if you don't have that experience. So like, if you're at like a, I don't know, if you're at a big company where you have a hiring manager who's like super rigid, then like, yeah, this is a problem. But if you imagine it's like a startup, what they're asking for with a two years experience is like, you're not going to get there and have no idea what you're doing. You have some knowledge of how data science works. And for me, this, these kinds of job posting more than anything are we're having a project portfolio, right? Like having something that shows you understand the concepts of data science and having, you know, having enough to get you into the interview. And then in the interview, having like a energetic personality and excitement and like really just an enthusiasm for the work. Like, you know, just like kind of really nailing the interview from a, hey, I understand that I maybe don't have as much experience as you were looking for, but th- I'm a I'm an interesting enough person to hire that it's worth it. I think that's like, this is, it is possible to pass these without, like to get, the, it is possible to get this job without having two years of experience, but you do have to be smart about it. And this is just like a, a barrier they put up because they want, it's, it's an easy way to say, we want someone who like, at least has a little bit of an idea of like what data science is really like in the, the real world. And I think this is also somewhere, uh, so in episode three, we talked about like getting the skills and one of the options being like learning in the job that you already have. So like if you're working in marketing, right, starting to use maybe like SQL, Looker, like R, you know, so this this could be a thing where let's say you're interested in a marketing data scientist position, they're like two years as like a, you know, data scientist and like experience and like, you know, whatever marketing tests, you know, you could, you would come and say, look, I didn't have the title data scientist, but I did exactly the type of work that you're interested in. So I do think that's another way of, you know, is there any way you can get this sort of experience that they're looking for, even without the title in your current job? And I also think there's a certain amount of like, when they say they want Tuesday's experience, what they really mean is like, ugh, we don't want to have to mentor you a lot, which is like, maybe not a good sign. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you're coming straight out of school, it's better to be at a place where you, as you point out, you have like a, uh, or you know, you have like a, a new grad job, like a job specifically designed for people coming straight out of school or things like that. And I do think in some ways it's easier for people coming straight out of school. Cause like you said, there are jobs like, uh, like new grad, especially at bigger companies. I think this can be a little harder for people who do have professional experience, just not as like data scientists. Uh, cause it's sort of this like, well, they can't really apply for the new grad positions, but these other job descriptions lead call like ask for two years of data science experience. So I think that's where like learning on the job. I also, I do think at some companies, data scientists is just becoming not a title. That's not really an entry level title. Uh, and so maybe again, going back to that, like, okay, is there like data analysts? Is there like, if you're not getting experience in the job you have, you're like, no, like I can't, like my job does not, uh, there, there's no place for me to practice these data science skills. Like maybe you like start going like more gradually towards it. So maybe you're an engineer, 
like maybe a data engineering position, you know, maybe you uh, like go to a data analyst or like a business analyst or something, right? Like keep stepping closer and like getting more like, okay, if you don't do any programming, you don't work with data at all, like, okay, like getting a position where you use Excel, uh, you know, then getting one and Looker uh, and then getting one where you use SQL and maybe can use R and like, rather than being like, no, I must sleep like right away to this like data, data scientist thing. Uh, because in that case, like if, if you don't, you know, it, it, it's, it's either you can package this, if you feel like you have the skills, you can definitely like package like we talked about, but if you don't have the skills, like maybe finding a job that's like a little bit more working towards that rather than being like, no, I must be a data scientist now. Uh, cause I took a lot of uh, uh, online courses, even though I haven't built a portfolio or practiced it at a job. So yeah, I think there are a couple different valuable strategies here to try and overcome this. And I think you can try multiple at once, right? You can try and apply for grad positions while also trying to see if there are data analyst positions or software engineering positions that are adjacent, you know, like you can kind of do a lot of these things at once. Um, and it is just like the cruel reality of the job market of there are more people who want entry level data science positions than there are data science entry level positions. And it and it does get it does get easier. Like your second job is so much easier. I find like we'll talk later in this episode about our own job searches. But I do think like there, there's just so many more positions available for people with even like a year, like one one job as a data scientist. Yeah. And it's exactly this thing of companies want to know you have a ability to get some work done like they want to know that they'll hire you and in you know like a month couple months you will be producing valuable work mm -hmm. and if you are fresh out of school they don't feel like you which i think for valid reasons many companies don't yeah. feel like well you're going to require a ton of mentoring before you could even like produce your first thing of value so we're just gonna choose to not hire people like that which is a bummer um it is a bummer but i think there are ways around it yeah but and with that i do want to uh address like some job searching strategies that can help. So we talked about like for new grads, like, you know, looking for that posting, also your career office, right? If anyone does uh, recruiting at your school, uh, you know, they're specifically looking for people who are just graduating, a career office can help. But then let's say you're out of school, your network is such a big help here. So I think a lot of people when they're applying for jobs, like basically just go on like LinkedIn and like submit their, it's like one button, right? And just like apply, 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 apply to like every job that has the word data scientist in it as a title. Uh, and I don't, that is not usually a very good strategy because what ends up happening is a lot of people apply that way. And especially for bigger companies, they might see like thousands of resumes and you know, it might go through an automated system first that looks for certain keywords, like maybe as a hiring manager look for one second, but the back doorway is getting a referral or having someone in your network who helps you out and even whether it's by formally referring you through a company's system or even just like introducing you to someone at that company to talk with them, that you can learn a little bit more about what they're looking for and you can tailor your application to that. And this is hard. Like this is hard for people. It's hard for me to like necessarily reach out and find people who I feel like I'm close enough to. Like it is hard. And I just want to, I, I think it's important to be upfront about that because I think sometimes when you talk to hear people talk about careers, like I just network, all I do is make friends and they get jobs. And it's like, no, it's actually kind of terrifying and scary. Right. And like, for me, I think the most valuable ways, which you can't do right now with the virus, but like, you know, you go to meetups in person, you meet someone, you linked up with, with them. And then six months later, like there's like a little bit of like connecting to people at meetups, but still, if you're at like a data science meetup, you still have to walk up and make small talk at the table and get to know people. And like, that's terrifying. And they're strangers. And like, I don't know. So like, I think this is a very valuable strategy. I think you're right. And like, I think I've gotten more jobs, not by just straight up LinkedIn searching for things than I did by just straight up LinkedIn for searching for things. 
But that said, it's super hard and it stresses me out all the time. (laughs) You're listening to this and you're stressed out too. That's okay. Yeah, but we do have a chapter on that, chapter 14. And also uh, on my blog, hookedondata.org, I wrote uh, two posts on like how to build your network. So one about that, like going to meetups, sort of like generally building it. And then one on if there are specific people you want to reach out to. So hopefully those can be good resources for uh, listeners. So I think a thing valuable to talk about still is um, someone actually makes a good job, right? You find these jobs. You got all these jobs that you think maybe are decent fit for. Which ones should you actually apply for? And so this is kind of, so one, like, it's kind of, it's very hard to tell in advance if you will like a job before you even go and interview, right? Like, like there's some filter of like, would I actually be a good fit for this job? Would I enjoy it? And it's hard to tell. And like, sometimes you got to read between the lines and be like, well, you know, if I'm really looking for like a machine learning physician, you know, they say they want a machine learning engineer, but everything in the text doesn't, like, they never even mention models. They just talk about software, you know, like, so maybe that's more of a software job, right? Like, so there's kind of like this trying to understand, like, what is really being said besides what they just said. And so you can do a little bit of that. Um, You could also, as a strategy, be like, you know what, I'm literally, I mean, to to Emily's point, you could be like, any job that seems like a relatively reasonable fit, I'm just going to apply to and see how it goes. And honestly, I've used both of the, like that strategy, depending on my like mood, when I'm applying for jobs, like ask, you know, like, like, let's just go, go, go. Um, But you do run the risk of like, even if they do come back to you, and then you start the interview process, if it's not a job you'd really be excited about, and like, it's a job that you probably wouldn't like that much, then like, it's just a huge waste of your time to get go into that process. So there is some value in being a little bit uh, judicious and choosing with where you to apply to. But also, if it's like an emotional crutch, just be like, ah, I don't feel good about this job. (laughs) search i'm just gonna apply to everything like that you know it happens yeah uh and i do want to bring out so it's it's a little timely but but probably gonna uh be around for a while so we're recording this in mid-august 2020 which is in the middle of a pandemic uh so covid has affected a lot of industries uh with with layoffs and hiring freezes and that makes the job search tougher. And but Jacqueline, you actually looked for and found a job uh, during these times after the pandemic started. So can you talk a little bit about uh, for for listeners who are you know either it's it's you know pandemic still going on or even if not like for some reason maybe are having like an especially hard time like what strategies you used? Yeah, and so this is I was looking in March April um, ish time period and. I don't know how things have changed since, but it really was this, everything was the same as if outside of the virus, like the, every strategy was the same. It's just, there are way fewer jobs to apply for. And so I had to be a little bit more, a little less choosy about like, oh, well maybe that's a little bit lower of a position than I was expecting. Uh, maybe that's not like the most exciting industry for me. You know, I was, I was accepting things I would normally kind of turn down just because I felt like, there wasn't enough options out there to do something else. And I'm very happy with the job I got and like this great and all worked out and like no, no slight against my current employer. Um, but I do think that it was just like, I had to accept the fact that the reality was there's just not as much there. Yeah. And I, and I do think like, that's also, uh, even in sort of like non-pandemic times, I do think that's, that's reasonable advice for people for looking for their first job is that like, just like, you know, we, we sort of were bashing companies a little bit for looking for a unicorn. I do think like job seekers should not necessarily be like, everything must be perfect. And I want like exactly this industry or I only want to work for like, you know, a fang company. 
you know, like just getting your foot in the door is really valuable. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have any criteria, of course, like you should look for like, let's say it's really important for you that uh, there will be you, you want to work on a, an established team. So there'll be more mentoring opportunities or you do really you want to work in, you know, in, in, in healthcare because that's really your background. That's important to you. Like that's that's totally fine. Um, but just maybe keep in mind that one no job is is perfect um and that also like the first job is going to be the hardest one to get and it's pretty common uh in data science especially if you're in the tech industry to switch jobs like you know after a year a year and a half and so it's not like you're signing a 10-year contract or something uh when you do take a, a a job at a company yeah and let's take a break at a podcast This week's sponsor is Spreadsheets. Spreadsheets. You pass them from data scientist to product owner to client. No tool has done more for people using data than spreadsheets. Spreadsheets are the most common programming language in the world, and they'll continue to be so year after year after year. It hasn't always been an easy road with spreadsheets. Sometimes a string gets turned to a date, and sometimes an off-by-one error causes your Nobel Prize to be rescinded. But time after time, spreadsheets continue to deliver value. Spreadsheets. (laughs) That was a hard voice. Uh, I do sort of wish this was a video podcast, because Jacqueline was making this great (laughs) face while she was delivering. Uh (laughs) See my, like, sweat coming down trying to get that voice right. Yeah. In a world where spreadsheets, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do. I must say, though, like I, I do. I did not come up through uh, Excel. So I know I mean, like, I don't know, I can like do a sum in Excel, but I'm kind of very glad that I never learned like macros and all those like because people can do like amazing things they in can. Excel. And I never I'm, got that. I mean, the first two, three years of my career were almost like two thirds Excel, like it was mostly Excel. And I still didn't even touch the macro stuff. I was just V lookups and like that. And it's like, I, yeah, what a world. What a world. Yeah. So so we've given, uh, you know, a, a lot of sort of a, a advice and tips on the job search, but why don't we talk about our own process, right? Like we've had jobs. So Jacqueline, what, so you, you've talked a little bit about you've taken like these different approaches, but you know, what, what, are, what are the stories of how you got some of your jobs? I think the majority of my jobs I haven't, I have not gotten through like just looking on LinkedIn. I think some of them and, you know, some interviews that I didn't take the jobs I got through LinkedIn, but certainly not all of them or like not even most of them. But I do think the LinkedIn method did work. Right. Like I think um, so, like, you know, I interviewed with a, um, you know, with like um, a reasonably big retailer um, and they, you know, I posted on LinkedIn and then I got the thing and then the recruiter contacted me. Like, like I've done that cycle. Um, but a number like the very first job I got out of um I got out of school was because my friend was working at a company and this is before data science was a term it was called analytics back then um and it's like oh we have this analytics team i know they hire math majors why don't you go apply there and then i got in so as you said as a referral i had some referrals i had some linkedin i had a certain amount of like i think just because my my profile on linkedin says i do data science recruiters just contact me um but not very often, but like once in a while, I've gotten a couple jobs that way. But the vast, yeah, I guess there's no like the vast majority of them were one way. It's just there hasn't been a consistent way I've gotten jobs. Yeah, I, I'm actually different. So all three jobs I've had after grad school are uh, through referrals. So my first job at Etsy, uh, my brother Dave knew Hillary Parker. He used to work at Etsy. And so he introduced me to her and she introduced me to someone who currently worked there uh, as a, a, you know, then like a data analyst manager. And so we had a good chat. Um, I think he's interested in my background. And so he referred me 
then uh, my last job was at a startup. Uh, I they they had a podcast, and I did an interview. I was asked to to be one of the podcast guests, so I talked about experimentation at Etsy. And then the podcast host, you know, reached out a little bit later and was like, "Hey, you know, we have this position open for you know a, a data scientist on our like you know our forming our newly formed experimentation team, and I think you'd be a really good fit. Like, I think you should at least have a conversation with the hiring manager." Uh, who's the VP of growth. And so even though I wasn't really looking at the time, I was like, oh, you know, okay, like I'll have a conversation. And yeah, and then I, you know, like the conversation, like the team kind of went from there. And then my last one now at Warby, uh, someone on the team posted the job on the Our Ladies New York Slack, which I'm a part of. And so I chatted with her and she, uh, I don't I don't think we'd met before, but she did know of me a little bit because I'd spoken at the Our Ladies group before, like I have a, a, a blog and then also, uh, so I talked with her about it and I, and the team actually had also was familiar with like the public work that I'd done. Um, and so I, you know, I did put in an official application and, and Stacy, uh, referred me, but that also, I think was a big help that like going in, they were like, oh yeah, like we know, you know, it's, it's hard to say is it like feels so much like bragging, but like, I think it was an advantage to having a portfolio out there, like having some projects is that did make them, you know, it didn't like get me the job, but it made them, I think it certainly got me the interview along with like my formal resume. Okay, so here, I think, here's the thing that's getting me about what we're talking about now is like, well, why shouldn't our podcast be the, this episode be the how to get on someone else's data science podcast or get your college roommate to refer you? Like, why are we even talking about LinkedIn and things like that? And I was thinking about this as you're talking. Mm -hmm. And it's because I've been a director and I've hired data scientists and I've been on hiring teams that have hired data scientists at other companies. And the vast majority of the people I've helped get into the company I'm working at never it's like almost never a referral it's always people applying on linkedin so i think you and i have a biased perspective because we are both passionate people who go on podcasts and do things like that whereas i do think that this is not necessarily like that's just interesting that we have maybe not like a generalizable strategy hmm. just because like it's you know but but that surprised me a bit because like kaggle did a survey and the number two ways the two top ways that people currently employed in the field got their jobs was either through a friend family or colleague or like i guess yeah uh or a recruiter and so the recruiter is a little different right the recruiter might not be like a, an existing relationship you have it's like you said like especially once you you've gotten your first data science job you get recruiters reaching out but i do think like that is that that they found much more uh, was was more common than people getting their jobs through like a job board. Okay, well, let's talk about this then, because I think that like I, I I don't I'm not doubting Kaggle survey. <laughs> you could doubt Kaggle survey. But then why why is like should we even bother applying on LinkedIn? Like like is that you know like there's this like idea that like the core way you find a job is you apply on LinkedIn, right? Even I like I'm like. The first thing I do when I'm looking for a job is I do just spam LinkedIn. I'm like, oh, that one seems like a good fit. That one, that one, that one. Like, I still do I don't that. know. I've, I've never done that. I, I do think really? that's a way. Yeah, wow. I mean, okay. The reason I think one reason is you can think of it as like a numbers game, right? So like, it, it's it's hard to get, like, it's unlikely you have like 50 people, like, like 50 companies where someone that you know could refer you and reaching out to 50 people at different companies hoping they refer you would like take a lot of time so like it is much easier to get the numbers up with linkedin and so if you think okay there's like a, a, even a three percent chance i'll hear back from a company you know you apply to 100 companies hopefully you get at least a couple uh initial conversations yeah okay so this is actually this just reminded me of a thing from my past which is at one point when i was you know looking for a job i um i had just been laid off at a different company i was applying to jobs in the seattle area and a very big tech company um had some job openings that really felt like good fits and i applied to them and i got my resume just right you know i sent it all in never heard back 
And like three weeks later, or like a month later, I got a, a recruiter reached out to me and said, hey, I saw your profile on LinkedIn. We're, you know, we're a, a consulting firm. We primarily basically contracting of like, hey, if people need data scientists, like, hey, would you want to contract for that big tech company? And I did, I, and I was contracting there. And only several months into that, the big data or the big tech company was like, hey, you're like, you're, you, why did you not just apply directly to us? We would have loved to have you as a full-time person instead of a contractor here. And it turns out I did. That was the job I applied for. And they didn't even respond back to me. They didn't look at my resume. Whereas the recruiting company actually put the effort into contacting me, which is just to say that the link to like, to your credit, like, I don't know, at that point, I feel like I had a reasonably impressive like a resume. And even still, I couldn't get the attention of this big tech company. Whereas a recruiter just taking my hours, adding their adding their overhead to me and having me work for the team, suddenly that was a good deal. You know, it's like, it's crazy. It's yeah, it's weird. I, I do think though, I, I'd imagine you probably would have more luck applying to companies that aren't getting like thousands of resumes through LinkedIn. So for example, like a startup or kind of like a niche like area where maybe there aren't a lot of people in data science, like you have like specialized expertise. Like I would say, I, I do think applying cold to some of the really big companies I think that that response rate, unless you like have a very standout resume is pretty low just because they do get like thousands or tens of thousands of applications for a position. Yeah. And I will say when I was the director at a, on a data, as a, a data science director, hiring data scientists at a small company, we did not get that many people applying. And when we did, I'd say like three quarters of them were just an obvious, not right fit. Like yeah. they just, you know, they, they did not meet the criteria of the skills that we talked about earlier in, in this podcast series. And so when we got someone who seemed like they could even be a decent fit, we're like, we're jazzed up. Oh, yeah, phone interview. Let's get them going. And so I do think you're right that like the LinkedIn style approach probably does work a lot better when the people like me who really care about the qual like the quality and the right skills and all that are much closer to the process than like yeah. a big ten company where it's like a whole different team that does the recruiting. And I've heard horror stories like where like the recruiting team is disconnected to the interview team, which is disconnected to the actually gets the hire, like the person actually worked for a team. And like, yeah, it can really be quite nonsense at big ten companies. <laughs> or really any big company. Yeah. yeah. And I do think the other reason it's not like just like, oh, it's all about your network is Unfortunately, like there, there's still, you know, it, it's, it's, um, how do I say this? Uh, well, nothing in tech is a meritocracy, but like your network is influenced by sometimes like where you went to school, right? Um, and you know, and that, and where you go to school is often dependent on like, what was your socioeconomic background as a child? Were you the first one in your family to go to college? So like, that's not really fair. In my case, like, right. It was my, my brother who happened to be in data science, right? Like that's not like, like yeah. yeah, I know that's not, but that's not something like someone else could like just replicate. Um, so I, I, I do want to, I do think that, uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm not like, Oh, it's just all be about your network. Like I do think like building a network is important, but some people do sort of just through luck or privilege have a, 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 a network that can help them more uh, and that they didn't need to like work that much for. And so that's why I do, I, I do want to also say like there are other ways to get jobs as well. Yeah. Uh, and one of my favorite tweets ever, someone's like, life hack, go to Harvard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I think there's a certain amount of that attitude, but also mm -hmm. to your point, if you like whatever resources you have, whether it's friends, family, someone you yeah. met at a bar once who's a data scientist, I don't know, like, like the, the, the approach of apply to a million jobs on LinkedIn and hope it works out. And, and here's the worst part about LinkedIn, right? Suppose you are really missing something important. Like you need some database skills and you don't have that. When you apply to a million jobs on LinkedIn, 
and you never hear back from anyone, you do not find out why, right? You do not get the, oh, they all turned you down because you didn't have that skill. Or like, oh, you really did need two years experience, you didn't have it, something like that. You don't get that feedback. So even if you don't use your network to get hired, using your network just as a, hey, can you mm -hmm. look at like my resume? Can you like, look, can you give me any idea why I'm getting, like, what's, what's a miss? That can still be hugely influential. So um, yeah, I think just, think about the how are you going to like get the feedback loop of learning from what you're doing all right shall we take a quick break yeah get all worked up on that. <laughs> okay so uh you know we always end these podcast episodes with a little bit of a game that is hopefully fun but also informative uh, so I thought I would read Jacqueline a couple of job descriptions and she could give me kind of her take on it and maybe specifically uh, like, you know, who, who who does she think would be a good fit for, for this job? Let's do it. Okay. So job scripts are pretty long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, but this is a job where I'll sort of give some summaries. So that it has a, you know, has a first paragraph about the company. This is what you'll do. Detailed analytics and reporting to support executive decisions and workflows, including gathering business requirements, implementing logical design and data modeling with a sense of timeliness and follow through. Development and maintenance of metrics, data sets, report dashboards to inform decision making and drive continual improvements, work with team members from various departments, work with the marketing team to ensure seamless creation of new dashboards, um, provide strategic recommendations for streamlining current reporting workflow. So that's what you'll do. Then there's who you are. Do we get to know the title? Yes, data analyst. It, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, maybe I should, oh, yeah, the next one I'm gonna have you, what, what you guess the title might be. So then who oh, you no. are. Okay, that, that's a fun game, yeah. yeah. Bachelor's <laughs> degree in business related field, three years, three plus years of relevant experience, uh, analyst experience, they have a typo there. Uh, extensive experience in data visualization using Tableau required, advanced proficiently with Microsoft Excel, pivot table macros is required, experience in SQL, you know, and then a, and then a few other things like the strong communication skills. So what do you, what do you think of this job description? So this really sounds like, ah, oh, there was, um, I should have, I wish I was taking notes as you were talking, <laughs> but like right at the beginning, they really said, I think like there are three core things I heard. One is you're talking to like executives, like reporting data to executives, like, like coming up, like stuff at the beginning, they were talking about like, you're going to be talking to other people right. about this. So to me, that's like, okay, step one, this is a job where you are actually going to be talking to people who have to make decisions with, with the data you do. So you have to be, have some understanding of what does this data mean? Right. You can't just be like, I'm going to move it from this database to this database. Like you actually have to like have some thought of like this being negative is bad. Right. <laughs> like, like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and then prim but primarily it sounds like this job is very much the data, like the, the, the executives are going to come to you and be like, we need a new dashboard that shows widget sales by day. And then it's your job to make the widget sales dashboard to make sure that data stored correctly, probably in Excel, but maybe something like that. And, and they just, someone just left who would art, like the, like you need to maintain and streamline existing ones means someone just left and they have a bunch of dashboards that need some work and you're going to have to come in and make, make them better. And, you know, maybe they're kind of manual. And right now you have to spend an hour each day moving data over manually. And we kind of want you to automate that. So I don't know if I would, I mean, this, I think this is indeed a data analyst position. It sounds like closer, a little bit closer on the hey, we need to do like consistent reporting dashboard, like kind of mm -hmm. like on the more software side, software side than the, no, purely your job is just to make an Excel sheet that you show an executive side. Um, but like, I don't know, it seems like it could be a reasonable data analyst position. Yeah, I mean, for me, like one thing I pick up from this is like the skills are like Excel, SQL, Tableau. So it sounds like you're probably not gonna be doing any like programming in R, Python. Uh, so I do think if you're some, I, I think this could be a good position for someone who say like, 
you know, it's done like a little bit with data, but like, you know, maybe, well, I don't know though. I, th I think this actually is not what I necessarily recommend because it's looking for people who already are pretty experienced with like Tableau and Microsoft Excel, right? Like they said, those things are required and it's SQL. And I'm sort of like, well, if you have that experience and you're really interested in getting in data science, I do think a better next step is somewhere where you can start doing scripting. Cause you seem sort of, you seem a little optimistic of like, oh, maybe you automate some stuff. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is like automated, not in like a cool, like cron job airflow way. It's like automated. No, in no, like no, 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 <laughs> Miserable Excel thing. No, but this is, I think this is the core thing about is data analyst job part of data science. And if you say that this is a part of data science of doing analyst work, I think this is very much analyst work. But to your point, if you want to be a decision scientist or a machine learning engineer where you're really going to be using R and Python and building blah, 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 then this job is not at all right for you. Like this job is great for someone who's going down the track of data analyst, getting data from databases to executives on a consistent basis. It is not a good job. To your point, it's probably not a good job for a person who is in that role right now and wants to switch to date decision science of like doing statistical modeling and that sort of stuff or to machine learning engineering. Or, or even someone who like, I want to do this type of work, but I'd rather use different tools, right? Like I'd rather use like a scripting language. I'd rather like learn that sort of stuff. Like this is also, it does not sound like that's in the cards. No, it sounds very much like a, we, we, we've chosen the stack and it's Excel and Tableau and Power BI and we just want you to stay there. Um, yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. So then there's this one, I'm going to have you guess the, uh, the title. So, right. So again, they have like stuff about us, about the team, about the job, you know, da, da, da. So I'm just going to, they have a, let's see two, four, six, they have eight bullets of, of responsibilities. I'm just gonna pick a few. So it's like, uh, build statistical models that describe and predict user behavior, frame up and administer A-B tests aimed at improving KPIs, uh, design and evaluate experiments that impact user behavior, build dashboards to showcase and disseminate key insights, create reusable data sets with appropriate architecture using our complex data pipeline and partner with business and engineering to ensure we're collecting the appropriate data. So, okay, so we've got some build statistical models, A-B tests, dashboards, reusable data sets, all that stuff. And then it asks for a bachelor's degree with this whole long list of like computer science, physics, related field. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Three, three to five years of experience with an emphasis on statistical analysis, experience coding in languages like R or Python, high proficiency uh, in SQL, experience with consumer subscription or e-commerce data, highly preferred, and then just like a bunch of other stuff. So I'm going to guess the title is data scientist in the experimentation team. That's my guess. Uh, it is consumer analytics. Consumer analytics. Okay. So this job is interesting because they are kind of pitching it as like, you need to know statistical modeling. You need to know R Python. So they're really pitching it as that kind of like decision science-y, hey, you're going to take data, you're going to do an analysis on it, and you're going to pitch it to executives, or you're going to help out an experiment and get the results to pitch to executives. But there are some things I, I would be like, some red flags for me personally that I probably would not take this job, but someone else might. Because they talk about like, and you're going to have to be like, getting the data models set up right like there's like there's a lot of like blah pro like process in there of just like and you need to maintain these things and like this seems like a job like i really love jobs where you like come up with new innovative methods to like hold new ways of designing experiments and like that and this seems much more like a hey we need to run an experiment every week and we want just things to be set up so that happens so i don't know to me this feels like a little bit of a of a miss for me but i think if you're like look i just I like experimentation. I want to just keep getting the experimentation stuff to work. I think this could be like a reasonably good job for you. Yeah. And this also could be like, so I, I skipped the about the job, but they talk about like, uh, this is for Rent the Runway, uh, about like acquisition retention efforts across all channels, including online, offline, paid and organic, onsite and in-app. So like, it could be a chance like, oh, I've done 
A-B tests on just like a purely e-commerce like website thing, but I've never, you know, worked on it with like marketing, which is a whole other thing or like, you know, integrating offline. So maybe there's some stuff, but I think you're right. There also to me, it's a little bit of red flags. There are like a lot of diff of, of, of responsibilities, right? You're like, you have to do a dashboard. You have to make reasonable data sets. You have to partner with teams. You have to do A-B tests. You have to do like uh, the statistical models. You know, it's like a lot of stuff going on there. And so I would want to know like for jumping in more about like, you know, what the team is doing and like how much exactly, you you, you know, are, is, is yeah. yeah, do you just have a ton of Yeah, stress? and I think in particular, I think, you really, with a job with this many responsibilities, I think you run the risk of like, they hire you and then they say, eh, you know, we really want you to do something that is closer to the first job mm -hmm. we talked about. Like, we really want you to just every month take like, just calculate what the what the um, acquisition numbers are, put them in a dashboard and show them to the executives. Like this job posting allows the employer the flexibility to decide to make you the first job. Will they do that? I don't know. Is that a reasonable risk? I don't know. But that is something I would talk about in an interview. Okay, so then uh, I'll do the last one. All right, it's so the role. Analyze fraud and other transactional data sources to measure fraud, identify its key drivers, build analytic pipelines to identify source of uh, payment card risk, build new fraud and breach detection models, discover possible future uses of MasterCard data to enhance fraud analytics, translate conceptual ideas into tactical experiments. Okay, so like that's the role. Uh, and then technical skills. Proven experience analyzing large amount of data to identify trends, experience with tools like Python R SAS, experience with modeling techniques. Uh, let's see what else is. This is another one which has like 10 things and like some of them really don't mean anything. Uh, experience with Python and Spark for data manipulation. Uh, highly desired experience preparing presentations for management such clients that present insights clearly and effective and efficiently. So I just happen to have experience. Like I've, I've met multiple people who work like this kind of job, like fraud data science. Mm -hmm. And what I know about that job, and this is not practical for the listeners, like you, you, you guys do not have this experience when you're reading the resumes, but fraud tends to be a field where like you can do some really interesting stuff. And like, it's a really, you have the data that you could try and set up a statistical model to determine in advance if something will be fraud or not. And teams are trying to do that. And that's pretty cool. And sometimes you'll, someone will come to your fraud team and they'll be like, whoa, we got this new weird type of fraud. Can you just do a quick analysis, put it into a PowerPoint and show us if it's a real concern? And so you kind of have both the like, hey, we need to think long term about setting up tools to, and I think this actually shows up in the job description. Like you need to both set up tools to like consistently monitor this and you need to be able to be ready when our bosses come to you with like one weird request about like a new weird fraud that you're ready for it. And I mean, they use, they're talking about using Spark, they're talking about using Python. So this isn't like doing it all in Excel. And I do know fraud people like who kind of live more close to that space, but like it does seem like it's a fairly technical role. So I don't know, I think this could be a, this could be a good fit for someone who wants to really do so wants to do something that's flexible in between decision science of like coming up with like, like reports to help you know influence policy and actually coding things that continuously run every day. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'd apply for it. And I and I I do think like this is something though. It's also like very specific, right? Like the type. It's like all about fraud. It's fraud, 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 fraud. Right. Like the, uh, so I do think it's like, if, if, if you are sort of like, wow, that sounds like fraud doesn't sound like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't sound that interesting, but like it's a data science position. I'll apply. Uh, like I, I, I would, I think you, you, your, your scope of the problems, like I'm sure there's, there's lots of interesting things within the field of fraud, but it does sound like you're very much just focused on like that set of problems. But here's the, the, the benefit of that is suppose you work this fraud job for like a year and you apply for a new job after that. So any job that's not fraud, they're just going to look at that and they'll be like, okay, you got data science experience. Cool. Yeah. But if you apply for any fraud position, they'll be like, oh, heck yeah, you know, fraud already. Right. Like it is so yes. valuable to kind of lock into one a little bit. 
So like, mm-hmm. like, this can really be valuable to like, to your point, like, yeah, find your niche. And if your niche is like fraud, then that could be advantageous. But also to your point, that does mean everything you're going to do is fraud. Um, there was like a thing. Um, this is like a weird tangent, but there was like a thing um, where like people always has this idea that like the best thing you can do to find the perfect job is to really look within yourself and know like what truly makes you happy and then go find a job that does that. And no, that's not how you do it. And, and I, for the people listening, Emily just gave a horrified face, but that's not how you should do it. You should try many things and eventually you will find some that are interesting to you and latch onto those. So like, listen, when you, your body's telling you, Hey, I'm interested in this. And so like, so like frog, you could try it and it could turn out like, Hey, this is super cool. Detecting bad guys, blah, blah, blah. Um, so maybe you'll really like it. And to rule it out, I was like, well, I don't love fraud yet, but you don't know. Maybe you will. Yeah. All right. I actually, I lied. I want to do one last one. Just cover like a slightly different type of job, which, all right. So we got an advanced requirements, advanced degree, uh, master of science or engineering or PhD in machine learning, computer science, statistics, math or engineering, or six plus years of experience as a full-time data scientist slash ML engineer. Two years experience applying machine learning in a full-time role, four plus years experience writing code, two years in Python, experience building NLP models, experience with text data analysis, you know, yeah, and then the, the like strong communication skills that they always ask for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then the description of the job is leveraging the company's rich text data to find new insights and train NLP models, contribute high quality code to their production machine learning frameworks, designing experiments and uh, applying appropriate statistical inference methods, and simulation and modeling of churn, revenue, and engagement. So is this, okay, so this is great. Does this title have senior or something in it? No, it just no. says machine learning engineer. So this is a job, like, so me personally, I think that I both would be an outstanding candidate for that job and also don't really meet the requirements for it, right? <laughs> like, this is a perfect example of like, okay, they're saying one thing, but they mean something else, right? Because that's a hard six years data science experience, a PhD, or at least a master's, NLP experience, running experimentation. Like, I've never done experimentation in practice. But you have done the other stuff. Like, you've done NLP, you've done two years machine learning full-time, you have a PhD. Right, but uh, some of that's really recent. And even three years ago, three years, I literally, like, yeah, three years ago, I didn't have any NLP experience. And I still think I would be a really good candidate for this because I have a lot of that other stuff. But, like, this is, like, the, the company that is trying to hire at, like, that level. And not even, that's why I was asking, is it, say, a senior? Because if they said, like, no, this is, like, for a, da- like a lead or a principal or a senior, I kind of get it. But for just machine learning engineer, this is, like, extremely high bar. And the way they've worded their job posting is they could say, oh, we need all these things. But then in practice, they hire you. And all you do is take the data science team's models and just package them in Docker containers and put them in production. And you never use your NLP knowledge at all, right? Like, so I think this is, like, a, um, I think this is, like, a really good example of them asking for more than they really should need. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that could be like three years experience. I think they could not mention a PhD. Experience with NLP is a plus. Like, they could really have watered this down. And and so it's probably worth applying to because so few people will meet that full bar that like, ugh. And I think yeah. people who do would want that senior title or the lead title of the principal. Like that's when right. you have six years of experience, like, yeah, you usually have, a, have something else like a senior or a staff or whatever in front of your name. Right, right. I was like, I don't think I could technically meet these requirements. You're like, yeah, we kind of can. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, yeah, but I would never even have found this posting because I would just skim right by it. Right. Because I don't look for things that don't at least have senior or beyond. Like even senior, I'm a little bearish on um so yeah that's why it's like it's so it's not like hard rules you have to meet these requirements especially if this is like a if this is like like a big tech company then maybe they have a screener no it's like a startup oh yeah then like like a mid-sized startup probably the, yeah found in 2011 yeah get out of here mid-sized startup. like come on like you'll, you, you're lucky for three years and a 
bachelor's combined. Yeah, no, I think startups. Oh my gosh, it's also listed. This is so funny. The job is listed as unlike LinkedIn's metadata about it as entry level. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure, sure. So this is like, this uh, is exactly the point of like, you can't take that at face value. And for like a yeah. company, like suppose you are a junior person and you're like, hey, I don't quite meet this. I would maybe like LinkedIn message a recruiter from this company being like, hey, I feel like I would be a good position. That seems like a very honest set of requirements. I don't quite like, you know, I think I'm a good candidate for these reasons. Should I still apply? Yeah. Something like that can go a real long way. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say like junior, junior, but I do think, for example, let's say you've been a, a software engineer and you've been coding in Python and maybe you've done like some text analysis stuff as like your project portfolio things. Uh, I, w I wouldn't say this is like, I wouldn't go like, well, I don't know. When you say like junior, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think this would be a good fit because I do think you would get very little support maybe for learning some of this stuff. That's true. And so maybe that's the, the point takeaway is not, hey, these requirements are so high because they need someone with all these skills. But these requirements are so high is because it's a startup and they don't have a support network and yeah. you're going to sink or swim on your own. Right. So yeah, you could apply, but like, good luck, champ. <laughs> um, <maybe. laughs> this is fun. Oh, maybe we should close out also with like being on the job market. It's really hard. Uh, I find it exhausting. A lot of people do, especially if you're already employed, uh, it can be disheartening. So if you're going through that process now, you are not alone uh, and, and, it, and it's tough, but uh, we hope that these strategies can help you make the process a little bit easier and take less time, but be more effective. Yeah. And we're not, we don't, we're not here to be like, oh, we have the solution to make the job. Hard. Like it's always going to be hard, it's gonna be but hard. like, our hearts are with you. And like, yeah, we've like, and like I, said, I was on the job market for three or four months ago. Like it, it's just rough. And like, yeah, we're here for some empathy. Well, that's our show for the week. Uh, check us out on our next episode as we discuss making a good resume and cover letter to apply for those jobs that you found. And thank you for listening. Please tweet at us or share on LinkedIn your data science opinions, feedback on the show, or questions for us with the hashtag data side career and we'll choose one person each week to get a free ebook copy of our book who does so you can buy the book uh, at bestbook.cool and use the code buildbook 40 percent for zero percent symbol for 40 percent off our theme song is by the extremely funny matt bouchelle and thanks to our publisher manning for helping our book exist and may your a b tests always have significant results <laughs>